Hello, I'm Rhonda Nowak for the Mail Tribune and Rosebud Media. This is the Literary Gardener for June seventeenth, twenty twenty one. The topic this time is choosing the right cultivar for your garden. The word cultivar, short for cultivated variety, entered the English language in nineteen twenty three. It applies to plants selected or bred for their desirable traits. David Deardorff and Catherine Wadsworth. What's wrong with my vegetable garden? Twenty eleven. My interest is always piqued when someone mentions the origin of English words, particularly garden-related vocabulary. I delved further into the etymology of cultivar to learn that it was coined by renowned American horticulturalist Liberty Hyde Bailey, who lived between 1858 and 1954, who actually first used the term in the article "Cucurbita cultivars," published in the Cyclopedia of American Horticulture in 1900, of which he was editor and primary contributor. Bailey went on to publish a scientific journal called Gentes Herbarum, or Kinds of Plants, in 1920, which, similar to Deardorff and Wadsworth's book, provided profiles of individual plants and plant genera, as well as then updated nomenclature. In 1930, Bailey published Hortus, a guide to cultivated plants in North America. In fact, Bailey had long experience with plant cultivars. When he was just ten, he learned from his father how to top graft apple trees, and supposedly he had one tree with forty different cultivated varieties. Certainly, he would have agreed with Deardorff's and Wadsworth's advice for gardeners to choose cultivars that will thrive with the growing conditions in their garden. According to Deardorff and Wadsworth, if you live in a short, cool growing season, then you need to select cultivars with the shortest days to maturity. In our area, short season cultivars are good choices for some warm season crops, such as melons, eggplant, and tomatoes. Cultivars that are quick to mature are also good for spring planting, cool season crops in our area, particularly lettuce, spinach, and peas. Slow bolting, cool season cultivars are also very good choices. A few examples of early maturing cultivars include yellow moonbeam watermelon, New York slicing cucumber, and crimson sprinter tomatoes. Sugar and bush peas produce about ten days earlier than other snap peas. Popeye spinach is one example of a cultivar that has been bred to last longer in warmer weather. In addition to cultivars that reach maturity faster or are slow to bolt, other cultivars have been bred for resistance against diseases or insect pests. Look for capital letters on the plant labels that indicate which resistance has been bred into the plant. For example, TMV means the plant is resistant to tobacco mosaic virus. F means it's resistant to fusarium. V to verticillium wilt. And PM to powdery mildew. How is a plant bred for early maturity, pest resistance, or other desirable traits? Using traditional plant breeding methods, not genetic modification methods, new varieties are developed by combining qualities from two closely related plants through selective breeding. 
pollen that contains the genes for a desired trait is transferred from plants of one crop variety to the flowers of another variety with other desirable traits. Eventually, through careful selection of offspring, the desired trait will appear in a new variety of plants. Genetic modification, on the other hand, involves combining genes from unrelated organisms and bypassing sexual reproduction to produce the offspring. Some cultivars are labeled F1 hybrids, which stands for first filial generation. This plant is the initial cross between its two parent plants. All F1 seedlings are highly uniform and will grow faster and bigger and produce better fruit. On the other hand, second generation seedlings from F1 plants will not have the desired uniform traits like their parents. F2 hybrids are produced by crossing four genetic lines rather than two lines. Again, the hybrids are uniform, vigorous, and high yielding, but they do not grow true to type from seed in the second or succeeding generations. Whereas F1 and F2 hybrids are cross-pollinated through human manipulation, open-pollinated cultivars are developed by selecting seedlings with specific desirable traits and allowing them to cross-pollinate freely among themselves. Open-pollinated varieties always come true from seed, which means gardeners can save their own seed and continue growing the same plants. Heirloom cultivars are always open-pollinated and have been developed over several generations. Many heirlooms are land races, which means they were developed in a specific place by a specific group of farmers. Heirloom seeds will grow true to type as long as the parent plants were not cross-pollinated by a different variety. Deerdorf and Wadsworth also discuss patented cultivars. Genetically modified plants with patents may not be propagated in any way. However, the authors say plants that are produced by traditional breeding programs may always be lawfully propagated, no matter what the tag says. They add that gardeners may propagate a patented plant from seeds, divisions, or cuttings for personal use, but may not sell the plants that were propagated from a patented plant. Liberty Hyde Bailey spent a lifetime collecting, chronicling, and breeding plant cultivars. However, he also published a book of poetry called Wind and Weather in 1916. A poem called Miracle depicts Bailey as a nature lover as well as a scientist. Yesterday, the twig was brown and bare. Today, the glint of green is there. Tomorrow will be leaflets spare. I know nothing so wondrous fair, no miracle so strangely rare. I wonder what will next be there. My garden to-do list this week includes pinching back basil, pepper, and eggplant tips when the plants are six to seven inches tall to promote branching. I'm going to add several inches of mulch to the potato grow bags to prevent sunlight from reaching the tubers and turning them green, which is toxic. The OSU recommends applying a foliar feed to cantaloupes when they begin to vine to enhance their sweetness. One teaspoon household borax and one tablespoon Epsom salts added to one gallon water increases boron and magnesium. 
When pepper plants begin to flower, apply a foliar spray to increase crispness and sweetness. Four tablespoons of Epsom salts added to one gallon of water. I also, I'm going to make sure to spend time relaxing and enjoying the garden before it gets too hot. July is right around the corner, and who knows, maybe I'll write a poem. And that's it for the literary gardener this time. Thanks so much for listening, and happy gardening.